Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hey everyone, all or nothing thinking. I think this is going to be a bit of a game changer for some of you because it comes up so much with clients. I think this is a huge part of self-doubt, but it's one of those quite sneaky little tactics that self-doubt can use. I'm always telling people that our self-doubt is so sophisticated. It can often be really subtle, but I think this is one of those tactics that keeps our self-doubt feeling very necessary and important, right? So we're going to go into this today, all or nothing thinking. All it is, is a way of thinking in extremes, in binaries, in opposites, in polarities. So you're either a success or a failure. Your performance was totally good or totally bad. Emotions, entire food groups, other people are either okay or not okay, good or bad. There's not even one shade of grey, right? So all or nothing thinking is also known as a cognitive distortion. It's a way of thinking about the world, of perceiving the world, that is not based in how things actually are. So it's a distorted view. Now, when we use all or nothing thinking to kind of evaluate ourselves and other people, it causes us a lot of pain. I either win or I lose. I'm totally right or I'm dead wrong. People are with me or against me. And look, this is everywhere in our world. You're either left or you're right in your politics. This is the basis for every religion, every kind of orthodoxy. You're either turf or you're trans inclusive. You're body positive or you're part of diet culture. Right? Cancel culture has its roots deeply embedded in all or nothing thinking. Anywhere you see this or that, two choices, it's all or nothing. And this makes total sense because, oh my God, we love certainty. We cleave to it. When things are simple and certain, we feel safe. And because self-doubt is obsessed with avoiding risk, almost all self-doubt stories are a form of all or nothing thinking. So I wanted to spend this episode talking about how this might be showing up for you and depending on your self-doubt and how it protects you, how it holds you back, some things to look out for you and also you know, how you can begin to unhook from this. So if you haven't yet listened to episode 63, which is called Self-Doubt Drama, I highly recommend that one as a kind of foundation for this episode, because I'm going to be building on the framework that I shared in episode 63. It's called The Four Faces of the Protector. So if you want to listen to that, go back and listen to that and then come back to this episode. I will wait for you. (laughs) Okay. So all or nothing thinking, the thing to really understand is that this provides us with the illusion of certainty, of safety, of simplicity, right? Because when things are either this or that, we feel like we've got a simple choice. 
and it helps us to feel kind of grounded in ourselves we sort of know who we are I'm this kind of person that's so me right I'm generous I'm thoughtful I speak my truth but this means that we can't be with the parts of us that are not those things when we're selfish or uncaring or when we lie Right? We actively reject those parts of ourselves when all or nothing thinking is in charge. We don't even see those parts. We kind of deny that they're even part of us. So we create this illusion of who we are and that helps us to feel safe. We decide that these other parts, the parts that are selfish, uncaring or when we're lying, are wrong, but bad or broken parts of us. So this is why when we inevitably right, embody those qualities, the ones that don't fit with our self-image, we judge and reject and abandon those parts of ourselves. And it's also why we feel really, really anxious about anyone else ever seeing those parts that we don't like. It can make us pretty terrified of ever being criticized for those qualities. Now we also hold other people to those same all or nothing terms. So to be my friend, you have to believe the same things as me. You have to support the same politics or the same football team or we parent in the same way. And then we can feel connected and safe together. So don't go showing me another side of you that's contrary to the image of you that reflects me because then I will need to judge and reject and abandon you. And doesn't this make complete sense, right? Because the world is so confusing and complex and isolating and often cruel. Of course we want to know this or that. It makes complete sense to me that we always default to all or nothing thinking when we need to feel safe. But thinking this way does not actually make us feel safe, right? It just keeps us locked in a binary, what we call in narrative therapy, the thin story. It's quite a rigid way of living. We don't really allow ourselves to be whole humans and we don't allow other people to be whole humans. So it creates this illusion of safety. But everyone has to commit to a set of rules that are often unspoken. So let's talk about how all or nothing thinking could be showing up for you. And this is dependent on the primary way or ways that your self-doubt has found holds you back the most effectively, right? So self-doubt is our inner protector. It wants to keep us safe from risk. And it does this primarily through protective beliefs and behaviors. And the combination of these beliefs and behaviors help to create some lived outcomes in our lives, right? There are sort of responses that we tend to default to when self-doubt is activated. And when we can characterize these responses, it helps us to notice patterns and themes, so I think there are four main patterns, four main kind of characterizations of our inner protector, the critic, the martyr, the scapegoat, and the bystander. And this is the model that I shared in episode 63. And characterizing these responses helps us to get a window on how our self-doubt is organized, 
right? It's so subtle and sophisticated and it often feels amorphous. So looking at self-doubt through this lens, through this characterization, helps us to get a handle on it. And you start to spot, oh, that's the scapegoat. Or here I am letting the bystander make this decision, right? And you start to see that this is a response you have. It's not who you are, right? And this opens you up to practicing discernment, which is huge when it comes to self-doubt, right? You get to see the sneaky ways that your self-doubt can show up, how it feels so bloody legitimate and important, but by having discernment, you get to see, oh, I've got choices and possibilities for breaking free from these protective patterns. We begin to thicken the narrative, right? Remember the thin stories that are quite binary and simple, all or nothing stories. We get to thicken the narrative to look at what's actually true in this specific situation. How is this relating to this context? Right? So we get to make it a little more grey. We get out of that black and white sort of place and into the grey, into the messy middle. We add in complexity and nuance and paradox and ambiguity. It makes it much richer and much truer to how our actual lives are organised, how our psyches are organised in response to that. Now, I would say that this is freaking hard to do on your own, right, when you're not practised at it. And that's why with Self-Belief Coach Match, where we hook you up with trained self-belief coaches, we offer velocity sessions. And these are just one-off sessions, it's 90 minutes. You can work with a really experienced and trained coach who eats the stuff for breakfast, right? And they will help you to unpack these protective beliefs and the behaviors and the responses, give you a whole new perspective to play with, right? You get to just kind of observe yourself having these thoughts, these all or nothing thoughts. The best thing about this, I think, is that you learn the process for doing this. So after your one-off session, you can apply this to any aspect of your life. So let's look at all or nothing thinking through the lens of the four protectors and just know that you can always book a velocity session with a self-belief coach who is going to be so excited and jazzed to work through this with you. Okay, so we've got four main protectors, the critic, the martyr, the scapegoat, and the bystander. We're going to go through these one by one, and I'm going to share with you how each of these protectors hold you back using the tactic of all or nothing thinking, okay? So the critic holds you back by telling you that you have to be perfect. That's where safety is for the critic. If I'm perfect, I won't be criticized. I won't be judged. So perfectionism is a kind of mascot for all or nothing thinking, right? So if you have a strong inner critic, it's likely that all or nothing beliefs are kind of your catnip, right? You're very familiar with this, this way of thinking. So it can sound like this is good or it's bad. I've succeeded or I've failed. It's very binary, right? And you might find you're also locked in a bit of a cycle of procrastination where you're doing nothing and then proving yourself by overworking. It's quite sneaky, I think. It's quite subtle and it can feel very legitimate when it's all about 
excellence, right? It can sound like, well, this is a reflection of my very high standards, or I'm proving that I can do hard things. But the thing to know is that the critic is an over-functioning protector. It always wants you to do more. It never feels like it's done enough. And it holds you back by setting the bar impossibly high. Perfection is an impossibly high standard. So when you quit or opt out or don't finish something or judge it, the protector sees this as a massive win because you're unlikely to try again. It's holding you back from the risk of what might happen if you find out you are not perfect. Okay, so the thing to know is that you can never do well enough for your critic to feel safe okay that's how it works moving on to the martyr for the martyr being needed is the source of safety so if this is for you if this is the way that your self-doubt kind of holds you back it's likely that you're experiencing a lot of self-sacrifice dismissing your own needs not really having any boundaries with other people and this is because the main fears of the martyr are conflict or being disliked or being abandoned. So you're likely to be very good at overgiving of yourself, pleasing other people, never quite making a start on the things that you want to do or stopping because other people need you. Now, a thing about this is it's quite sneaky when it sounds really noble, right? It can sound really legitimate when it's all about well, I can't start my coaching practice because the children need me. Who's thinking of the children? <laughs> but remember, this is all or nothing, right? It's never true. You can probably do some things, right? It might take you a bit longer to set up depending on your responsibilities, but that time is going to pass anyway. So you could spend the next two years slowly building a practice and doing what you can and working around other responsibilities. Or you could put your dreams completely on hold for two years and then throw yourself into it. See how mad that sounds, right? All or nothing is about holding you back from what you want. And it looks like it's my needs or your needs, right? This relationship is going perfectly or it's over. I'm either loved or I'm hated. I've got parenting figured out or I'm completely failing as a parent. You either accept me completely or you're rejecting me completely. If you don't validate me, you're disqualifying me. Right? So again, the martyr and the critic are both over-functioning protectors. They can't do enough to feel safe. So you couldn't be needed enough for the martyr to feel safe enough to just let you crack on. The scapegoat is an under-functioning protector. That's our third one. So for the scapegoat, it's safest to decide you're too overwhelmed and it's best not to try. Right? The scapegoat says all the time, it's so much harder for me. This is mine. I hate it so much. <laughs> right? But this is the primary protector that I experience. And if you have a strong scapegoat, you're likely to believe that you're too disorganized, too chaotic. Everyone else is lucky. You can go into a kind of brain freeze when you're faced with any slightly complex problem. And so the kinds of all or nothing thinking that shows up is always about how that won't work or I can't do it, right? So it can sound like I would have applied for that role, but I'd have to do presentations and that's not me. I would start my business, but I can't work out how to take payments online. I do want a relationship, but I've been hurt too many times. 
and it's sneaky and it sounds really legitimate when you are doing something that is hard for you whatever that looks like for you but just notice how the scapegoat says don't try to do anything if one part of it is hard so you bin off the whole job because it involves some presentations without considering well Could I learn how to do that? Or could I share this aspect of the role with a colleague? Or how much time am I actually going to be spending giving presentations, right? When we thicken the narrative, we are faced with way more possibilities. But all or nothing thinking tells us, stick with the thin story. It's this or it's that. Our fourth and final protector is the bystander. And for the bystander, there is a ton of safety to be had in waiting. So the bystander will tell us we don't have enough information, we need to keep researching and we can't take any action. So the bystander and the scapegoat are under-functioning protectors. They want us to do less. So it will tell us we're confused, that we need to keep thinking about this, standing on the sidelines, waiting. The big fears of the bystander are getting it wrong, making the wrong choice, or looking foolish, failing. Now the other thing that you might notice if you have a bystander protector is a tendency to be quite fantasy oriented. So you imagine a future time when everything feels safe and you're taking action and it's all going to be okay. But there isn't ever a tracking back from that to where you are now. Right? So all or nothing thinking for the bystander looks like any kind of belief that stops you from taking action. And usually there is some kind of made up condition that needs to be met first. Right, So I can't show up on my social media until I get my brand completely right. Or I want to be in a relationship but I need to feel 100% okay about myself first. I can't start working with clients until I complete this next training. And look, doesn't that sound legitimate? Like, doesn't that sound like, well, of course you would wait until those things are in place. It's risky sometimes, right, to just go ahead and try stuff out when we don't know everything about something. But the thing to know is that there is never going to be a time when you know enough for your bystander to feel safe. And once you take action, you learn as you go. You learn by doing Because almost always when the bystander gets involved, it's not about content knowledge, right? You can't actually learn how to be a partner until you are partnered with a specific someone, right? And the answers are not going to be Googleable because you and that specific someone have never partnered each other before. You have to figure this out together. So that is how our four different protectors rock up and hold us back using all or nothing thinking. And I really just wanted to leave you with a couple of things. All or nothing thinking seems really compelling and safe, but it actually keeps you from true safety. And to me, that is the feeling that you have your own back no matter what. Now that only comes when you can see through the subtle and obvious ways that self-doubt is holding you back from a life of meaning and fulfillment. Right, All or nothing thinking keeps us in a really rigid world where we don't allow ourselves to be whole. We don't allow other people to be truly themselves. We create these rules and expectations and everyone is either in or out. And there is never a time when all or nothing thinking 
is accurate because we are complex, nuanced, messy beings and we live in a confusing and inconsistent and uncontrollable world. So it's never going to represent what's actually going on. The last thing is that all or nothing thinking robs us of self-trust. When we're living according to a set of made-up rules of this or that, it makes it really hard to be present to any particular situation. It makes it so hard to discern what we think, what we feel, what we want to say and do. So we usually choose the thing that makes us feel safest in the moment. But when we let go of all or nothing thinking, we can get more and more comfortable with the fact that there are no purely good or bad decisions. We just make good enough choices and we trust ourselves to be with whatever happens. You know, it isn't easy to see our own all or nothing beliefs, but sometimes we, we know that that's what we're doing. But either way, most of us need some support to unpack them and to feel okay. And why wouldn't you want this kind of support? I just love it when the coaches I work with offer me this messy middle, the grey, the both and. That's where there is so much opportunity and possibility. So if you want some help to play with this, head over to sasspetherick.com backslash match. Check out all of the self-belief coaches that have spent six months being personally trained by me in exactly how to help you unpack these beliefs and figure out where the opportunity and possibility lies for you. We're so happy to support you. Okay, everyone, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. If you're going through a change right now or some kind of transition, if you're feeling a bit lost at sea or you're just struggling to find a decent coach to talk to, I really want you to think about Self-Belief Coach Match. This is a matchmaking service for trained, qualified, brilliant practitioners that I have trained personally in my self-doubt methodology. Self-Belief Coach Match launches in May of 2021 if you're listening live. You can register using the link in the show notes. You'll be able to work with a coach for a single session or for a package of six sessions of self-belief coaching. So do sign up if you're looking for a coach, if you want some support to make your way through the next stage of change for you. I'd be so honored to hook you up with one of the best coaches I know.